Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. We're joined with Richard May, who I've gotten to know over the years through the Mariological Society of America, of which I've been a member, of which I've presented at. I serve on their administrative council, and Richard is a very dedicated member who comes to many of our meetings, as many as he's able to, and he's given a number of presentations. And uh, this past year, I actually heard him present on uh, on the Buffalo Calf Woman and the parallel, perhaps, to a Marian apparition. So Richard uh, has a BA and an MA in theology and speaks all throughout the U.S. at conferences, retreats, and parish missions and has appeared on a number of different Catholic media platforms. And uh, one of the things about Richard is he's very much involved with Native American spirituality and that's the reason why I wanted to have him on today to be able to talk about the cause of canonization for a guy named Black Elk. And so I'd like to welcome to the show Richard May. Oh, very good, Father. It's great to be here, and of course, a member of the Mariological Society, uh, it's a joy and blessing as well, and uh, hopefully I can contribute something here. Well, wonderful. Now, can you tell me, so, of course, you live down in Texas, and uh, you've been involved a lot with different Native American spirituality things, and, uh, you know, just kind of curious how that came about. I know a number of uh, maybe two years ago now, I was down in San Angelo, Texas for the Humano Indian uh, celebration that they had honoring Sor Maria of Agreda. And yes. uh, so I know, that, of course, there's there's the, the Native American population down there, but uh, it seems that you're involved on a greater wide network of, of Native American spirituality, uh, especially with Kateri Tekakwitha and uh, so many others. So how did you get involved with this? Yes, uh, you know, it's it's funny. You know, of course, I my main part of my ministry is just teaching the Catholic faith, uh, spirituality, and so forth. And what started out with maybe 5% of my ministry, now it's about 30 or 40%. Uh, and it started with my uh, uh, attendance at the annual Catholic Tekakwitha Conference, uh, which is run out of Alexandria, Louisiana, but it go, it moves around the country. And uh, I w- I've been speaking there for 10 years, and then three years ago, down to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, and was appalled at the poverty on that Indian Reservation. In that process, I got to know a lot of the Lakota people. Uh, this is the Lakota Sioux people, Oglala Sioux. And uh, from there, I learned about the move toward the canonization of a Lakota Indian, Nicholas Black Elk. And in fact, I'm uh, sort of in communication with the uh, those in, uh, working the canonization. So that really got me going, and uh, so I, I'm sort of been working with uh, the USCCB now. Also, Father Michael Carson, uh, who is on the committee for Native American Affairs, uh, addressing the poverty issue. But Black Elk has been is really a very interesting case, I think, as we move on here. Now, before we move on to Black Elk. Uh I seem to recall that maybe you've done something with promoting the rosary among the Native Americans and uh, among the Lakota people, maybe. Is that something that I have right? Yeah, yes, that's correct. Uh, uh, actually, that was actually what got me going with the Tekawitha Conference. I had designed uh, a three-booklet set of uh, a rosary bookers to teach Native Americans the rosary using Indian iconography. Ironically, that started in Dayton at the Mariological Society when they had an exhibit uh, of, a, of an artist that uh, did Indian iconography, uh, Father Giuliani. And uh, 
So uh, anyway, that, that's a long story in itself, but that booklet set got me going, and I do distribute them, and they're distributed through the Black and Indian Mission Office in Washington, D.C. as well. You can find them on their website. And what's the reception of the people as they receive your rosary book and, and begin to pray with it? Well, uh, keep in mind that, you know, and just to take that one reservation, Pine Ridge, most of the Indians, the American Indian now, uh, Native Americans, are Christian. And there's certainly a percentage that are Catholic. Uh, there's two Catholic schools on that reservation, uh, as other reservations have, too. So certainly within the Native American community, uh, they're certainly receptive, uh, especially the Catholics, on receiving this booklet, uh, because it's, it, it puts it in a Native American uh, light uh, with the Indian iconography. Uh, it's it just very attractive for them to, to go through. It's a scriptural rosary, too, so it takes you through the gospel and so forth. Well, that's very good work that you're doing, and of course, there's this Nicholas Black Elk who has a cause for canonization, opened in 2017, and what can you tell us about Nicholas Black Elk? When did he live? Why, sure. why is he regarded as a holy man? Why should he be a saint? Sure, good point. Good, good way to start, I think. Uh, an author, uh, Joseph Epps, once wrote about Black Elk that he was an unusual man of vision, a holy man in the full sense of this term, a man upon whom destiny in a time of cultural crisis had placed a burden of responsibility for the spiritual welfare of his people. And that's a really good summary statement. He was born in 1863. That is a debate on 64, 65, but 63. His life spanned two very different eras. Um, he knew very well, of course, the ancient spiritual traditions of his people. He was a medicine man. At age nine, he experienced a great vision of Christ, that he would be chosen for a very special purpose uh, in it for his people. After witnessing Little Bighorn, he was there for Little Bighorn, uh, and then he was also there for the tragedies of Wounded Knee in 1890, all right, where many of the uh, Indians were, were murdered by the, <laughs> the U.S. Cavalry, uh, and he encountered then the Jesuits, who eventually moved into the area that led to his conversion in 1904, when he was baptized. But he, he knew from the beginning that, that God had selected him to lead his people toward Christianity, and that was a fulfillment of that earlier vision that he didn't know at the time was Christ, but later realized it was him. He never went to school, yet he taught himself to read. He immersed himself in the study of the Bible, uh, wrote prayer books uh, in the Lakota language, uh, acquired a deep understanding of the Catholic faith. In fact, to help, he even helped a priest. He became a, a, a proficient catechist, and over time converted over 400 Lakota. The priests would call him a fervent apostle, a second St. Paul, <laughs> and rightfully so. I mean, he traveled around. He traveled to other tribes to teach, such as the Arapaho, the Shoshones. Uh, he had a great gift of making clear the teachings of the faith, and I'll give you some examples here in a bit. But for 31 years, he labored to spread the gospel and the teachings of the, of the church, and included Mary, he had great devotion to Mary. And what is particularly noteworthy is that in his prior already existing Lakota spirituality, it became a template for his transition to Christianity in many ways, uh, and I can point a few of these out. Uh, but, um, in fact, he would say, this is his own words, he looked at his Lakota spirituality in the same way we look at the, the Old Testament, that it was a prelude to the gospel. Uh, he, he believed that the old ways had, in fact, come from God, 
and compared his people actually similar to the Israelites who waited for Christ. He said, God prepared us for the missionaries to come. Our ancestors used the pipe, the sacred pipe, to know God. That's a foundation. But from the old country came Christ from heaven, a wonderful thing, the Son of God, and the Indian cares about. So I think that's interesting, that here we have God working. I see this, that God, the Holy Spirit, is working uh, with the native people before the missionaries come. I mean, the Holy Spirit didn't come over on a boat with Columbus, right? <laughs> you know, God sure. was already there, and I really believe, certainly in this case, uh, was preparing uh, uh, the people. And a lot of people think um, Indian spirituality is some sort of pagan or primitive religion. It's really far from the truth. Uh, they're what you would call a primal religion. Um, to call them uh, primitive, uh, uh, non-literate is kind of derogatory. A primal religion is, in a sense, being original, being the origin of man's religious aspirations, uh, closer to man's basic religious feelings and insect instincts. So this is what uh, was going around him, you might say, until the Jesuits came and uh, baptized uh, at the turn of the century. Now, has there been a strong devotion for uh, Nicholas Black Elk? So the Lakota people, they've talked about him, obviously. They've, they regarded him as a holy person. So, so there really was this uh, aura of sanctity that surrounded him that really pushed forward this movement for canonization. Would that be right? Yes, it would. Of course, the Lakota Catholics, you have a number of different uh, variations of Christianity, you might say, on a reservation, uh, looking again at Pine Ridge, where his home was. Uh, there is, of course, the, the strong element of Catholicism within the parish there, the parish of St. Agnes, which was his home parish while he was alive. Um, but there are other Christian relation, uh, denominations and so forth. Now, they may not be looking for him to be canonized, you know, but they know of Black Elk, and they know of his sanctity. He was a holy man. All right, in their light. So, um, so certainly, uh, in terms of recognizing his uh, spirituality or sanctity, but uh, of course, the canonization is mainly coming from the Catholic side. As we talk about Nicholas Black Elk, of course, being a holy person, having this cause for sainthood, uh, of course, he has this spirituality. Uh, this, and I was just wondering, maybe if you could comment on the different elements of his spirituality. What comprised it? Yeah, sure. And uh, maybe we go back first to his vision of Christ. Uh, they call it the Messiah vision. Remember, this was before he had acquired a knowledge of Christianity, so he didn't really know who he was looking at. But here's a man standing in front of him with outstretched arms, uh, and he actually had wounds on his hands, uh, uh, on his palms and hands, but he, he didn't know who it was. It was in a great uh, light. And again, asking him, that he has a special mission to his people. I, now, I'm not going to give you the entire account of that. It would take too long. But the important thing is he really felt that Jesus, the Son of God, had called him to lead a new life moving forward. All right. So, so now when you look at it, uh, of course, he's, he's, uh, go, he goes ahead, he, he's baptized and so forth, and he starts um, basically administering to his people. Uh, he develops this very... Um, he certainly uh, saw a Christian meaning in Mother Earth. Uh, think about it, Mother Earth, who provides food for the Native Americans, the people. Now he sees Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, providing spiritual food for the people. He could make that transition, uh, understanding uh, Mary and her role in, in the Church, 
Um, and he used to pray with the rosary and the pipe. Uh, this isn't just a peace pipe. Uh, to the Lakota people, it's very sacred. Um, the incense rising, uh, you know, the, the, the smoke going up from the pipe, uh, very similar to what we, when we're uh, using incense around the altar. I mean, you know, they had a very close relationship in that regard. In fact, they were very sacramental in many of their thinking, so the transition to Catholic sac- sacramentality was very easy for them. But Black Elk would say, never fail to pray every day. God will take your, you and reward you for this. Say the rosary, too, because it is one of the most powerful prayers of our Lord's mother. So Black Elk implants a Marian spirituality and devotion within the Lakota Christian tradition, within their tradition, as an extension of previous stories and practices. Uh, and, and the Jesuits noticed that. Uh, they couldn't believe how, how very uh, easy to work within the Lakota tradition to bring Christ to them, the gospel, within a religious spirituality that really was very open and, ex- uh, you know, very uh, um, um, ex- uh, uh, sort of transitioned very easily uh, in that regard. He was an astute apologist, and he would defend the teachings on Mary. Uh, the story goes here, once uh, um, when he was a minister, um, a minister asked him uh, why he honored the Blessed Virgin, and the following exchange took place. Black Elk asked him, are the angels good people? He replied, yes. Is St. Elizabeth good? Yes. And the Holy Ghost? Yes. Well then, if all these, if we honor all of these, why shouldn't I honor Mary? <laughs> you know, so uh, he had very simple ways of explaining things, as in this case, uh, devotions to our Blessed Mother. Uh, also, the Eucharist. Uh, the sacraments, and especially the holy food, which he called the Eucharist. Um, and to smoke the pipe is analogous, in a, or in a parallel sense, to the same as taking Christian Holy Communion, as they look at it from their perspective. Um, the rituals of the Church's liturgy spoke to the heart of Black Elk's religious upbringing. Uh, the, sacrament re- the sacraments reminded him that the Wonkan Tonka, that is the great creator, the God, still resided within the nation's hoop, an expression within the family, uh, uh, their family, uh, and to pray the Mass was to join in the great prayer of Christ Himself. Uh, to him, that was very important. Now, see, so his transition to Catholicism, because of his already existing Lakota uh, spirituality, was not a, a huge jump, as you might think. Uh, and that, to me, has been one of the most fascinating parts of all of this, uh, Father. Uh, just. Uh, uh, just seeing this in a different light and trying to see it from their perspective as you get to know the Lakota people. We called Nicholas Black Elk a catechist, and that's what you just conveyed to us, that he was a teacher of the faith, that he taught the people in simple ways. And it's kind of apropos for us to be talking about this right now, because in many of our churches, we're going to be starting religious education classes catechists will begin teaching the faith. And so, really, I think Nicholas Black Elk can be a a great example. There are so many examples of of catechists uh, who perhaps were our holy people that we know of uh, that that are great examples. I can only think of here in Wisconsin with our Marian apparition at Champion that when Our Lady appeared to Adele, well, that's what she told Adele to do, gather the children, teach them what they need to know for salvation. So, we have Adele's mission of teaching the faith. We have Black Elk 
Elk's mission of teaching the faith, and now all of us entrusted to teach the faith to our children. So a very beautiful parallel, I, I think, as we talk about Nicholas Black Elk today. Yes, in fact, uh, is that he would be the patron saint of catechists. So oh, it's interesting sure. you bring that up. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, there's two or three reasons why you would even want to canonize him. Uh, Pope Francis, uh, when he was in the Amazon uh, a short time ago, he said to every culture that receives the gospel, they enrich the entire church sure. as spiritual contribution, bringing their gifts, the indigenous too, to the world as well. So there's something present in all Native American cultures that will enrich the entire church. For example, the closeness of the family, how the family operates, uh, this type of thing. Um, so uh, they bring their own gifts to the church. Um, and then uh, then Bishop Groose, who was the bishop at, at Rapid City, he's moved on now, but, uh, but he was there for the opening of the cause. He said, Black Elk, continu- Black Elk uh, continues, celebra- continues celebrating Lakota rituals while fully embracing a Catholic life and does so in the church. Also, um, seeking a vision for ourselves, uh, Black Elk would state, never have I seen with my eyes that which was so clear. What a message for our youth. What is their vision in their life? What are they being called to? Um, so that, another thing. And then uh, recognizing the great spirit in all things, as he says. Um, he was a great catechist, and uh, as, I, as I just said, I mean, I think this, and you said, that uh, he would he would certainly be a model for catechists uh, to go out and spread the gospel in the new evangelization that we hear about, right? Yes. Um, starting back, John Paul II and so forth, and missionary uh, evangelization. Yeah. So, and part of that evangelization is us, right? <laughs> it's not just you know those that are not Catholics, uh, uh, separated brothers and sisters. We're talking about us too, as well. So if a black elk gets canonized, he could be the patron saint of catechists, but the process for uh, canonizations is quite long and lengthy, and uh, it goes through many different phases. A person has to be declared a venerable, or first a servant of God, then a venerable, then, uh, or maybe I have that backwards, then a blessed through beatification, a canonization. We know that there have to be miracles. So what's right. the status? Have there been miracles that people have received through his favorable intercession? Um, yeah, what's the status of this cause? Sure. Sure. Well, uh, they completed, actually, the first, there's four stages. The first stage is the preliminary, where you gather the information, uh, testimonies from people, and so forth. And then that all gets submitted to the second phase, the local diocesan review of the materials. And that's what uh, took place over these past uh, couple of years. And then just recently, uh, uh, just a few months ago, they completed that phase, and that was then sent to... Rome. So the Roman phase now has begun, and that would include uh, if there are purported miracles uh, for black elk. Um, For example, uh, you may not have relics, uh, but you could, uh, I'm not telling everyone to go run and grab rocks from his grave here, but there are other, you know, um, maybe uh, just prayers. There's a novena out right now that you could pray uh, for, uh, for the intercession of black elk, but so this kind of, uh, we're in that phase now, um, uh, you know, calling for his intercession, uh, and there is a canonization prayer as well. Uh, you, can, you can find this on the Dossian website, the Rapid City Diocese has information on Black Elk. And then, of course, the miracles come in, then you would be moving toward uh, the beatification 
face. But all the material has been collected. And by the way, before I forget, <clears throat> if anyone's uh, interested, probably uh, one of the best books you can read on Black Elk uh, that's not real long, but is, is actually his, his daughter wrote parts of it. So oh, this wow. is within the family. Um, and it is Black Elk, Holy Man of the Oglala. Okay, Black Elk, Holy Man of the Oglala. That's O-G-L-A-L-A by Michael Steltenkamp, S-T-E-L-T-E-N-K-A-M-P. And I think this is really a great account uh, of his life, uh, seen from his daughter as well. Uh, and I think that's an excellent one. There, there are a few others out. For example, Damien Costello has a book out, Black Elk, Colonialism and Lakota Catholicism. Gets into the spirituality some. There's, there's actually quite a few out there, but... The Stelton Camp book would be a, I would recommend as a book to, sure. to, to review. But the point is that's part of this assemblage of documentation and so forth uh, that basically moves forward. In many ways, uh, it's better, it's a better, uh, I think in, we're in better shape with his collection of information than going to, we have another canonization. Many uh, Catholics know about the canonization of the martyrs of La Florida. Uh, the, App uh, the Appalachian and um, the Franciscans and so forth that died during the colonial period when the missions were burned in Florida, that, that causes in work. Their problem is a lot of the records are in Cuba. I mean, they're still <laughs> collecting stuff. Uh, so uh, they have a more complicated problem. We have everything on Black Elk now, so uh, hopefully the Roman phase won't take as long and pray for his intercession, right? Definitely. And hopefully as people begin to become more aware of him and his story, they'll be inspired by his example and will surely seek his intercession in time exactly. of need. So, uh, Richard, one of the things I'd like to do at the end of the podcast is just to kind of do rapid-fire questions about your own devotion to the Blessed Mother. And uh, sure. so just have a few questions uh, for you. What is sure. your favorite title for the, the Blessed Mother? Oh boy, she's a she's a lady of a thousand titles, right? That's right. <laughs> uh, even more. Yeah. Um, gee, I I, 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 it's hard to pick one in particular, but just mother. I mean, you know, your sure. spiritual mother, because uh, as part of my life and my spirituality, I look to her all the time. Um, I have a little grotto in the back of the yard with a statue of Our Lady, and I sit back there sometimes, and I call it my Catholic Zen garden. <laughs> I'm uh. just kidding. <laughs> but I sit back there, and I just uh, uh, meditate and pray the rosary back there. And uh, But she's obviously had a great influence on my life uh, that, uh, you know, there's so many of our separated brothers and sisters say that, Mary, why do we even go to Mary, go directly to Jesus? Well, I wouldn't even be attached to all of this without our Blessed Mother, um, she had sure. a great deal to do with my spiritual life. So I think just, just mother, uh, sure. my mother. How about uh, a favorite Marian sacramental? Uh, here again, uh, the miraculous medal probably. Sure. I have it around my neck all the time. Uh, of course, I have a scapular around my neck as well. Sure. So the, that would be probably, uh, and there's a lot of theology behind the miraculous medal. Definitely. Uh, you know, you got the image of Our Lady with the grace coming out of her hands, Catherine Labore, uh so mediatrics of all graces, the Immaculate Conceptions tied into that. There's a lot of it's theology behind rich. that medal. 
Yes, yeah. very rich symbol. Now, uh, how about a favorite Marian prayer? Of course, there's the Rosary, the Memorari, Hail Holy Queen. So many prayers to the Blessed Mother. Which one might be your favorite? Again, probably, probably the Memorari. Uh, aside from the Rosary, of course, I would go to the, probably the Memorari. Uh, and before we kneel, sinful and sorrowful. I don't know why they change it to stand. Uh, sure. In some of the more huh. modern, uh, <laughs> that's my own little battle. But anyway, uh, sure. it's a wonderful prayer, especially when you need something. Some people find it difficult to pray the rosary. They might think it's repetitive or they get distracted. Do you have a rosary tip to help somebody pray the rosary better? Well, in terms of repetition, how many times can you tell someone you love them? Sure. Because that's what you're doing. And, and sometimes when I pray the rosary, I, I think of each bead on the rosary is, is a rose. And as I finish the Hail Mary, I picture that rose being released from my oh, hands in the rosary and to go into her crown around her head. Yeah, that's really that's what St. Louis de Montfort would talk about, like that every rosary is an offering of a bouquet of roses to Mary. There you go. Right, exactly. But that's one way, uh, and if you're really meditating properly, as you should, on the mysteries <clears throat> of the rosary, putting yourself in the scene, uh, for example, uh, um, carrying of the cross, our Lord carrying the cross on the sorrowful mysteries, you know, uh, what was it like to be on the street there? Our Blessed Mother there, seeing her son coming down. You know, put yourself in the scene. Make it, uh, it, it. That's really what we should be doing. It's not just a repetition of prayers. Uh, we're body, soul creatures, right? So the rosary, we're using the hands and so forth, but also our minds, our hearts should all go together in praying the rosary, if that helps. Yes, well, great. Uh, how about in the scriptures? Mary makes many uh, appearances in the New Testament from the Annunciation, Visitation, Cana, Calvary, so forth. Do you have a favorite Marian Bible passage? Uh, boy, that's another one that's hard to pick. Probably the scene at the cross, because it is at this point that our Lord gives us his mother to be our spiritual mother uh, and, the, and the mother of the Church. <clears throat> I think that probably there's a lot there, but it, they all tied together, of course. Uh, the Annunciation, uh, so much we can apply there to always respond to God's call, uh, to be open to God's call as well. Uh, so, I mean, they're all sort of connected in many ways, but probably the scene at the cross. Uh, uh, of course, I use Cain you know, a lot, too, uh, you know, yeah, uh, the you. intercession of our Blessed Mother. Sure. Uh, I, I'm thinking of Edith Stein uh, with regard to the fact that women have a gift of a particular, uh, the little things in life, uh, sure. the, wrong, the wine has run out. Uh, mother, I need a parking spot here so I can park this truck, your truck. It's not my, it's not my truck. It's the Blessed Mother's truck. I'm just the driver I have a, that I use for the ministry there. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, uh, she helps us in everyday things in life as well. A favorite Marian apparition. She's appeared all over the world in different places. A favorite message of Mary. Well, she was, again... Um, Certainly, Lourdes. Um, I, I'm particularly drawn to Lourdes uh, because of, of her compassion and her, uh, the healing. Sure. Uh, and a lot of us need healing today uh, as well, I think. Uh, I've been to Magigoria, I went three times, uh, and uh, of course that has a lot of memories, but certainly in, in the scheme of Marian apparitions, uh, I would say that's uh, probably, I lean towards that. But they're all just as important, just as important. In addition to Marian apparitions, there are many Marian shrines to different titles of the Blessed Mother. As you've traveled all over the country and the world, is there a favorite Marian shrine that you've found? Yeah, the one in my backyard. Uh, okay, <laughs> you have a little well, shrine back there. You know, that's my little mini sure. shrine. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I probably, uh, 
we've been to Italy and, and that area, but you know we haven't even been to France yet. I'd love to go there because obviously a lot of shrines uh, and, and uh, places there. Um, haven't been to Guadalupe. Uh, haven't done, I really haven't had the opportunity to visit the, the ones you typically think of. Uh, but, you know, just having a special place in your archdiocese or diocese, a place where you go, uh, there's so many wonderful things you can do. In fact, in fact one time, along just been a number of years, I took a bunch of people who loved our Blessed Mother, and we made a Marian day of it. We drove all around the uh, diocese to various churches where they had grottos, oh, yeah. did a rosary, and moved on to the next one, sort of a little traveling uh, a grotto tour, so to speak. Uh, so, sure. you know, you can invent, bring your own uh, uh, creativity to that, I think. I'm sure that as you've studied the Blessed Mother yourself so much that you've read a lot of books about Mary. What's your favorite book that you've read about her? Or a book you'd well, recommend? Yeah, gee, you know, I got a whole shelf full. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with what the saints say about the Blessed Mother. I like the way you can, in fact, I'm doing a series on the saints at a parish once a month. I go and do the saints, and I have the quotes from the saints, and I particularly pull out the Marian quotes and showing the great love. Uh, in fact, last night I just gave a talk on Padre Pio uh, and seeing the great love that he had uh, for our Blessed Mother. So we can relish in the love our saints and others have for our Blessed Mother which appears in many books, and so that I would try to answer it in that way, I think. And lastly, we sing a lot of hymns to the Blessed Mother. Some are in Latin, others are in our mother tongue of English. Uh, is there a Marian hymn that when we sing on a Marian feast day, you always hope they will? Yeah, and boy, that's needed today. You don't seem to hear a Marian hymn except on a feast day, and that's sort of disturbing to me, I think. Uh, our Lady's at every Mass. Uh, she's the mother of the Holy Eucharist, and uh, so I have a little harmonica, and I go. Uh, uh, we have a Mass at the hospital here locally, and I'm able to bring back some of these old hymns. But uh, I like uh, Immaculate Mary, but in the European version, the the typical uh, other rendition. I, if it, that's a minor thing, but it's just something. But with that, uh, I, I, I guess I lean toward that hymn. But there are other beautiful ones. Sure. Um, uh, that that uh, we can sing some, uh, again, that have fallen by the wayside. That concludes your Marian profile, Richard, and I'd like to thank you so much for uh, being on today on How They Love Mary as we begin this next season of the of this podcast and, uh, and for sharing about Black Elk, of raising awareness about a holy person that I'm sure many listeners will not have heard of. So thanks so much for being with Yo, us. Thank you for inviting me on, Father. You have a great uh, week here, and I uh, thank you for having me, and uh, my blessings to everyone that will be listening to this. And keep me in your prayers, too, uh, as well. as Well, thanks again, Richard. And so special thanks again to Richard May for being with us to talk about Nicholas Black Elk, but also to Anna Nuzo for her music, which has grace to this podcast. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it either has been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at FR Edward Looney. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review wherever you listen so that others might come to know about it. Until next week, let's remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.